I took you back. When, when you were camped at the town of Shidon, on the far side of the Jordan River, you abandoned me and began to worship idols. And despite that, I still brought you into the promised land, and we renewed our vows together at a covenant ceremony on the other side in Gilgal. I, I don't know what more I could have done for you, Israel. And I can't get the time of day from you. I don't know what more I can do. Plaintiff's case. Defendant has a chance to respond. This relationship is so hard to maintain. Like, this God that we have joked ourselves to, I have no idea what it's going to take to please this God. This God that we worship is never satisfied. I have no idea what I can give this God. You know, a calf, a, a slaughter and sacrifice at the temple, that's what all the other gods want, right? To smell that steak on the grill. But apparently, that hasn't done anything for my relationship with God. Maybe maybe we need uh, sheep instead. You know, maybe, maybe our God likes mutton instead of steak. How about ten sheep? How about a hundred sheep? How about a thousand sheep? How about ten thousand? Would that be enough? No, I doubt it. This, what if I gave my own child? Let's... Let's get out of the animal world to, to prove my devotion, my sorrow for my sin. What am I? What is it going to take to get this God back on my good side? What is it going to take for me to get back into my Lord's good graces? And at this point, Micah, attorney for the plaintiff, steps out of that role and assumes the role of marriage counselor. It's as if... He, he comes over to the defendant's side of the courtroom, sits down beside the defendant, puts his arm around Israel and says, God has told you what is good. What does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? The Old Testament scholar Taylor Mayfield observes that in this verse, God says, I'm less interested in the types of sacrifices you make than I am in the type of person that you are. That's what I'm really interested in. Or in the framework of love languages, Israel tries to keep pleasing God with more and better and perfect gifts. But what God wants Israel to speak is the language of service, justice, kindness, and humility. So let me talk a little bit more about those three words, justice, kindness, and humility. Justice, we talked about justice uh, on January 8th, and not to repeat the sermon, you don't need two sermons at once. But in brief, justice means safe streets, means fair and impartial courts, and more than that, it means an equitable society in which the most vulnerable people, the very young, the very old, the poor, uh, those who are immigrants and refugees and aliens living within the borders of Israel are defended and protected, not left to fend for themselves. Kindness. So, the Hebrew word for kindness is what? Hesed. Hesed. Right. And it's a difficult to translate word. There's really no one word in English that encompasses the meaning of this word. And so it's translated in various places as mercy, as kindness, 
as loving kindness in the King James Version that maybe you grew up reading, as constant love in some places, as steadfast love in other places. God doesn't want justice without kindness. God doesn't want care for the poor manifested as rote check writing. But God wants our concern for the less fortunate and the vulnerable to be a fierce and enduring interest in their well-being and in their flourishing. And God doesn't want justice meted out harshly for perpetrators or uh, thoughtlessly uh, for victims. God wants mercy for both. The goal of justice for God is ultimately reconciliation, not retribution or sheer punishment. Finally, God wants us to walk humbly with God. A former classmate of mine at Union Seminary, Megan Strollo, who is now an Old Testament professor there, says that the phrase in Hebrew can mean something like reverent um, mindfulness. Reverent mindfulness for God's presence. And that uh, translation jives with uh, St. Benedict's rule, the father of Western monasticism. He has an entire chapter on uh, humility in his monastic rule. And what he says is that the first step in becoming a humble person is an awareness, a constant awareness that God is near, that God is present, and that God has a claim on our lives. It's not that God is watching over us the way that uh, Big Brother or the Eye of Sauron is watching over us or looking for us. But it's more like that old hymn, His Eyes on the Sparrow. God is our constant friend in Jesus Christ. And God's attentiveness is over us and is watching for us. When we meet God in Jesus Christ, we meet our best friend. And just as uh, best human friends are there to support us, are there to listen to us, are there to challenge us from time to time because they can see things about us that we can't see for ourselves and see about ourselves, so too God is our ever-present constant friend who is indispensable for our walk in this life. To live life without regard for that, uh, that presence of that one who is near us is to forsake our greatest comfort in this life, and it's to forsake our most essential accountability partner. So if God seems distant or hostile or indifferent, it may be that we have yet to learn God's favorite love language. It may be yet, we have yet to learn to speak the language of justice and kindness and humility. Now, there are many ways to be in relationship with God. Uh, this is not to disparage the value of prayer, the value of worship, the value of generous giving as valid means of showing our love for God and seeking a closer relationship with God. There's many love languages with the Almighty. But when God sees us exhibiting the virtues of justice and kindness and humility, then that really is music to God's ears. And that is, that is speaking to God and communicating with God in language that God really gets and God really understands. So what might speaking the language of justice and kindness and humility mean for us in this day, not just for the Israelites of old, but for First Presbyterian Church in Haddonfield in the 21st century. 
I think the newspaper headlines and news headlines of the last week show us where the opportunities and the needs lie. In the last week, uh, there have been three mass shootings in the state of California, uh, and this deadly month follows a very deadly and shocking year of mass shootings. Uh, the murder of many elementary age children at the school in Uvalde, Texas, the, uh, the, the murders in the grocery store in Buffalo, the mass shooting that took place at the 4th of July parade in suburb, suburban Chicago. These are difficult and challenging and deeply troubling. Uh, I, don't even, I can't even find the words for what they are these days. We've also seen the news in the last week, the murder of Tyree Nichols, virtually beaten to death by Memphis police officers. And his name is the latest name to be added to a long list of names of unarmed black men and women who have died in police custody. And, and you know some of those names. George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, Walter Scott. There's many others. It's actually too many to name in just one sermon. The news over the last week has been bad. There is good news to report. Violent crime is way down in our society compared to where it was when it peaked in the early 1990s. That's good news. And you and your loved ones and your friends are writing good news stories every day that are unheralded and don't make the headlines. You know people who are, and some of you are, officers of the court or law enforcement officers or otherwise involved in the criminal justice system. And you're doing good and honorable work to ensure that justice is done for all in our society. But we do live in a society that is all too violent, where violence remains a stubborn fact of life. There's just too many mass shootings. There's just too many people of color dying in the hands of law enforcement officers. What would it mean if we began to engage in these issues in the public square? Nothing would please the Lord more than for the body of Christ to make itself part of the solution to the violence that plagues our society. Now, what, would, what does that mean for you individually? Well, maybe it means contacting your elected leaders and expressing your opinion about policies or legislation that you think could make our streets safer and could make our criminal justice system more just and equitable for all. Or maybe it means getting involved in an advocacy group to, to get yourself more educated about these issues. And maybe it means joining the good ladies of First Presbyterian Church and ministering to people who are incarcerated so that they experience some of God's unconditional love and so that the possibility of recidivism is reduced once they are reintegrated into society. It could mean any number of things. Now, involving yourself in these activities may be about as appealing to you as uh, shopping at Michael's is for my friend Tom, uh, on a, especially on a Saturday afternoon. Uh, I don't want to do that. I, I, feel badly about, I feel badly about what happened in Memphis. I feel badly about what happened in California. I am praying about the issue. I, don't, don't ask me to go to a city council meeting, don't, or a borough council meeting. Don't ask me to get involved. I understand that. You know, it, they say that there's two things you should never see made, uh, sausage and lots. I understand your reluctance to get involved in this kind 
of activity. But our society needs kind and humble people like you seeking justice in the public square. And it may be that if all of you get involved, uh, you may be making different recommendations. It may be that you are working on different sides of the issue or coming at the issue from different angles. And that's fine. That's fine. None of us have perfect knowledge. I mean, if any of us had perfect knowledge, these problems would have been solved by now. But what our society needs, again, is kind and humble people working on these solutions. It may just be that God is calling you to be the answer to our thoughts and our prayers for the victims of gun violence that go up every time something like this happens. Rest assured, God takes delight when kind and just people are seeking justice in the public square out of a sense of humility and reverent devotion to the Lord. When kind and humble people make the streets safer and make the administration of justice fairer and defend the vulnerable, then you're speaking God's language. And the relationship which has been on the rocks may begin to improve. In the name of the one who is and who was and who is to come. Thanks for listening. Please rate and review this podcast so that we can reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ. To support our ministry, go to www.haddonfieldprez.org and click on the Give tab at the top of the page. Grace and peace be with you.